0: I just asked you. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad to have you here. How important is discipling in a home? I'm sure there's a lot of examples in here tonight of, of whether you wanted it or whether you absorbed it or rejected it, parents discipling you while you were kids. I know a lot of times I didn't always take it take it so well, but I'm grateful for my mother and uh, all that she did with me and my sister growing up, and then later my uh my dad, who did so much for me as far as point me towards Jesus, even though it took me 20 years after mom and dad got married before I actually finally found Christ but he was a good man so we start on page 181 a discipling mother and I'm going to ask questions of the mothers tonight because clearly I'm not a mother so um Question number one is actually on this page. Anybody that can name the the mother and grandmother of Timothy? Yes. Lois and Eunice. Yep. So we see that Timothy's grandmother and mother, that they were such lights. During what many consider to have been the most difficult time to be a follower of Christ. In the first chapter of 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul acknowledged the wonderful influence that these women had upon Timothy's faith. Beginning when he was still young enough to to be fed, carried, and dressed, they discipled him for Christ through God's word and his ways. And then on page 182, it says, God can use you by your example in words to shape tomorrow. And that it goes moms or dads. Because our kids are tomorrow. And if we don't shape them right now and get them on a straight path, tomorrow can be kind of sketchy. But as we prayed last night, them kids back in. So, halfway down it says, God has assigned as parents the role of standing in his place to show our children what he is like. Parents are to be the godly example to their kids. By discipline, by discipleship, by sharing the word, by being the light. It can be hard as a parent. Frustrating. But we are to maintain that statue in our house of being the godly example. To set that example for our kids. And then we see that the Greek word for obey is hupakio, which means obedience out of duty. And I wanted to elaborate on this one a little bit because duty, and in, in if, if you've been in the military, and I was hoping Lisa would be here tonight so she could share on this, but duty is is paramount in when you're in service. Even as a police officer, you, the duty in which that you have been assigned, oftentimes your drill sergeants will tell you that your fulfillment of your duty can jeopardize the lives of your fellow soldiers. So they take it to heart very seriously, their duty as a soldier. You could say that their obedience to their drill sergeants is out of duty. Not necessarily because they respect or like their dual sergeant, which I hope they do, but more so out of duty. So, what does this mean in your home when it's your wife to the husband or kids to their parents? Bless you. Do they respect you out of duty? more importantly do they respect and honor God out of because mom and dad said so or because duty I had to think about that one I had to think about when I was young or even with my daughter is she doing it just to please mom and dad or is it for real Because especially, I, I was that way. Uh, I know Brother Dan told me he was that way, and our daughters are quite a bit like that. That we we go out of our way to please others. So a lot of times, uh, we say things or do things to get the approval of someone else. Now both I and Brother Dan can attest that once we found Christ, that changed. Because it became about Christ instead of about what others thought of us. Um, on page 183, at the bottom of that second paragraph, it says having a consistent prayer ministry on their behalf is the second key. Question number two says, what is one thing parents should consistently do on behalf of their children? Prayer ministry. Prayer. Yes. We have talked many times. uh, Pastor, I know, has taught on Wednesday nights about the power of prayer. Uh, And we talk about it many times on Sundays and Wednesdays. And the praying on behalf of your kids is extremely important. Because a lot of times they're not far enough in their relationship to pray on their own or know what to pray for or ever pray at all. But if they got to pray mom and daddy, that's good. And then we go into discipling your children nurture them in Christ it says child training is the process of causing children to come under your authority and respect your word so that they are more likely to be receptive to being discipled discipling then is a specific type of training that nurtures children in God's word and his ways this twofold process applies to all stages of child development. We agree? So then she goes into, and if y'all didn't know, the author had his wife write this. So this is all her perspective as the mother of, I think they had nine kids. So she gives a description of discipling your children when they're from an infant into their toddler years? Is there an example you can think of of trying to disciple your children when they can't even talk? Yes. Yes? Yes? Um. Rebecca last night with her wonderful story about uh, in her in the in her mother's womb and she she sensed she knew the, the the harshness that was around her and then the peace that was around her when she was not even born yet so that's one way is a, is a is a great environment for your child uh, the other way is to is to sit beside their crib and read Bible verses to them play gospel music So they're always being filled. Yes, absolutely, Bob. Yes. So then you get into uh, school years. And that's when a lot of issues can start. Because they've known one way, and that's mom and dad's way. And that's hopefully mom and dad bringing them up in the word and showing them Jesus And then they get into the world. And the world is completely different than what mom and dad's been teaching them. So there starts to be a lot of conflict and a lot of self-reasoning within the child. So how does the mom step in then to continue to show and nurture and disciple that kid? By standing in the gaps and praying for him? Yes, Yes, Brother Bob. In the morning before you send them off to school. Exactly, go over a Bible verse. Yes, exactly. Yep. When problems arise at school or with other kids, give them biblical solutions. Yes. Who they are in Christ and how they should handle the situation. Exactly. So then, that carries all the way through And then you get into launching into life. In college you can put school years or life because some people say life begins once you leave home and go to college. If you leave home and go to college. And that opens up into a whole other world again. So then the mother's discipleship of that child changes, because now the child is not at home. Now, the Bible says that when you marry, you clean, cleave to your wife and leave your mother and father behind. But so many times in our society, it's later in life before they get married. Sometimes they want a career, sometimes they want to finish their education. So how does a mother continue to be That disciple in the child's life when they don't have daily contact with that child prayer phone calls text messages emails constantly checking on the welfare welfare of that child mothers I know this one in particular has a sense about her daughter and it's always been right So that's why I say constant communication because she can tell when something's going down and the daughter's not going to call and say, hey, well, not always. She, she is pretty good sometimes about calling. But a lot of times she'll, she'll try to bear it on her own and end up calling days later in tears, and bawling. But she knew. So she can pray for her she senses that something's going on, she can send her a text message and try to get her to come around before it gets too far gone, so there's still that role for a mother to play, even if their kids are not in their life every single day, and hopefully, through the infant, toddler, and school years, you set such an example for your child that they can lean off of that and they know as soon as something arises, they can call mom and talk it out. But unfortunately, we see a lot of times in society, single-parent homes, uh, broken homes, um, kids that are just kind of left on the streets, don't really have role models or examples to follow, nobody really trying to give them any guidance, and it's sad. And they're so often, they're so broken, and so often just looking for someone, just to, just to give them a hand up, take them by the hand, show them some love, lead them. So then, I missed most of my scriptures on page one eighty-five. It's the best ability is availability. Be available to God, but I would like to add to that: be available for your ch- for your kids. Always, life can get so busy. By the time you work, overtime, you stop at the store to pick things up. A lot of times for the kids, and then you get home. You still got to cook dinner. You got to help them with their homework. You gotta get baths, you gotta get your own bath and all this and try to get ready for bed. A lot of times you're not even aware that your kids are needing you for something. Busyness can be a hindrance sometimes. So try to always make yourself available. When the boss calls in the middle of a conversation with your son. Call the boss back. So it says, remember, God isn't after your ability, but your availability. Simply put, God wants your heart. As you surrender yourself unreservedly to Christ, the Holy Spirit will use the word of God to conform you into the image God, image of God for his glory. First uh, Samuel 16 7, Bev. I miss all the rest of them I gave you. Oh, sorry. First Samuel sixteen seven. 167 Okay, that's all right. We'll move on. Anybody Yeah. I could look it up, but you have my phone. Oh, there But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man as he sees. For man looks at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Amen. That's it. So. Like I, like we talked about just a second ago, everything in life wants your availability. Bob with the guys that work for him, jobs, trying to secure jobs for him and his guys, his wife, always something that wants your availability. But if you have kids, you've got to make sure you prioritize the time for them. But beyond that, as we've talked about many times, is that you prioritize God first and foremost every day of your life. So then we go into page 186 it says, We disciple by unconditional love. unconditional love what does that mean no matter what there are no stipulations or conditions to put upon it that adds to or takes away your love so someone says that well my child robbed a bank still your child you still love them doesn't mean that you condone what they did, but you still love your kid. The, the discipline mother understands that children need to be loved unconditionally. Her love is not dependent upon whether or not a child performs according to expectations, whether the the mother accepts and affirms a child for who he or she is. A child is made in the image of God. And thank God that he loves us unconditionally. It's not on anything that we do to warrant his love. He loves us enough that he gave us Jesus Christ to lay his life down for us. Romans eight thirty eight through 39 For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor debt nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Doesn't that make you feel good? Amen. That means nothing. We are bought with a price. We are sealed forever. We are his adopted into an eternal kingdom. And there is nothing that can separate that love from us. And then it goes into... Uh, we're not going to read it, but if 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 you... There's a couple of these in here uh, that are like stories. And they're pretty good if you want to read them, but we're not going to take time to read them. So on page... 188, we go into first it was discipled by unconditional love and now discipled by grace-filled lives. And it gives seven characteristics of grace. One is openness. It says a discipling mother is, is graciously open to the close examination of her physical, mental, and emotional and spiritual state. How many know that if, well, everybody knows the saying that happy wife's a happy life, but if there's unhappiness in the household, the kids pick up on it. Exactly right and next is teachableness when trying to promote like-mindedness in her family the discipling mother recognizes that God has created us with differing temperaments the difference between family members are to be treasured and enjoyed she never assumes that because she is an adult she is always right. The discipling mother is therefore willing to listen to what her children have to say and is often surprised at how much she learns from them. I know that's the case. Jennifer and I went to a new shopping mall we had never been to before. And we had Ariana with us. <clears throat> of course when they're at that age that they think they, well, they have an opinion for everything. So we went out the opposite doors, which we came in, and we were for sure that our car had been stolen. And uh, the whole time, our daughter is like, it's, it's out those doors. But we didn't listen to her. Come to find out, she was right. that better Okay. so we should always be willing to listen it doesn't mean that we're always right but we're not always right either but me and mom got we got yeah so next is kind-heartedness different ways of expressing kind-heartedness are tenderness compassion sympathy forbearance understanding in thoughtfulness. A mother with such a spirit easily identifies with the pain of others and desires to be a burden bearer. How many of you mothers take on the burdens of your children? Without question, right? Even when your kids are... Dad's too. Yes, dads too. Even when your kids are growing, you still, you shoulder all their burdens. As our Heavenly Father shoulders ours, for His yoke is light. Hmm? <laughs> That's where the gray hairs come from. <laughs> yeah, no hair. <laughs> um, next is truthfulness. The discipling mother is discerning enough to know when to confront a problem needing attention, rather than waiting to be asked about it. It gives the example as iron sharpens iron. I gave the example that Jennifer's very acute, acute what is the word? Acutely aware of when our daughter's having problems. Way more so than I am. I'm more of, it's got to present itself to me. And she's like, another example, we moved her into her first apartment in Norman, and we didn't get a block away yet, and Jennifer was like, she's laying on her bed bawling her eyes out right now. And I was like, no, surely not. She seemed okay when we left. She's like, no, I'm serious, she is. She picked up the phone and called her, and yep, sure enough, she was crying her eyes out. Um, meekness I like this one because our Lord and Savior was very meek the discipling mother has a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in God's sight she willingly yields her rights and exceptions to God her hearts cry my soul waits silent for God alone for my expectation is from him Jesus came Meekly, when he entered Jerusalem, he came meekly as a child born in a manger. Um, Matthew 21 5. Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. 2 Corinthians 10.1 Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. In John 13.5 after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. A picture of meekness from our Lord and Savior. So are we to be haughty or are we to be meek in our lives? Next is trustworthiness earning her children's trust is a top priority. The discipling mother knows that if children can't trust their parents, they are not likely to trust God either. Showing confidentiality regarding sensitive matters is very important to this mom. If you can't build trust in in your home, it's really hard for your kids to build trust anywhere else. And that goes with teachers, that goes with other people, that goes with Law enforcement that goes with careers later on, it just builds and builds and builds. You can't establish trust with, between a parent and, the, and their kids. And then lastly, number seven, is faithfulness. The discipling mother realizes that all of the above graces are meaningless without a daily testimony of living by faith before her, her children. She therefore more and more longs to know God personally what he loves, what he hates and how to best please him. And if a parent can show that daily their reliance upon God their faithfulness in God their trusting in God their kids pick up on that. And that's what the biggest part of this whole chapter is about. Is that kids learn by what they see their parents do they see their parents bowed on the knee every night before bed and especially if you can involve your kids in on that, that's great, they'll carry that with them forever, praying before every meal they'll carry that with them too but do we mess up as parents? absolutely many times we mess up yep, very important, say that again When we mess up with our kids, we've got to own it with our kids as well. <laughs> How do that? So the uh, answer to number three is those seven that we just went over. From page 188 to 189. Openness, teachableness, kindheartedness, truthfulness, meekness, trustworthiness and faithfulness. And then on page 190 it says we disciple in the humility of Christ. The discipling mother knows that pride will bring her low but the humble in spirit will retain honor. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the example here is a storm. In a storm, a tree is no stronger than its roots. I got to write a blog quite similar to this. Is what ground are you planted in? The first storm that comes along from mom and dad whether it's financial, medical, whatever. If the child sees the parents break because they had no strong roots, what example does that set for the kid? But if they see mom and dad through hard times dig in more and more to Christ, that's the example I want to set for them. Satan's way is to be controlled by pride putting self on the throne competing with God for first place pride we see this evident all throughout our daily lives and our kids see it too at school wherever they're at God's way is to humble, humbly yield to Christ's control depending upon his power to obey the written living word of God because humility is the root of all virtue that is the spirit we want Christ's lambs to imitate and that is an example that we want to set for our kids we had this discussion on Sunday night of just how important our kids are. And people like Sandra and Bianca, Colin, the importance that they make along with their parents in shaping these kids to be godly people. So this, this book is, is all about word-filled family. But a lot of it, especially in this chapter, is making sure that you're showing that word filled in your own life to your kids. And then we move to uh, my walk hand in hand with God. And first I want to go to Philippians 2, 5 through 8. It's all in that glorious book called the Bible. Answers to so many of life's problems are right there in the way that Jesus handled it. And question number four is Satan's way is pride. God's way is humility. And then we go over to page 192. And it gives some examples here. That are, are, are good things that we all should ask when we are uh, when we're in our prayer time or when we're driving down the road it says uh, how is my personal time with God am I heavenly hearted am I growing in Christ Am I faithfully hearing, reading, studying, memorizing, and meditating upon the riches of God's word? Is my prayer life abundant and powerful? Is my prayer as natural as breathing? If my children are following me, are they becoming imitators of Christ? These are all excellent questions to ask yourself. And a lot of these could go off in their own separate study, but she joins them all together here. But these are questions that she asks herself. And they're good questions to ask. Uh, the one that sticks out to me is, is prayer as natural as breathing. We talked about this a little bit, a little bit last night, I think, Pastor. It, it, maybe not last night, but who do you turn to? It was, it was the last class. Who's the first person you turn to when, when you get an ailment? God an ailment, sickness, first person you turn to Jesus or a doctor? Last night. Last night, yep. So the same with prayer. Prayer should be as natural as breathing. And a lot of times it's not. A lot of times life, family, you overslept, something, and it takes that time away, it cuts into that time. Um, Another good read is at the bottom. It's an email. Uh, It's it's basically Jesus trying to get your attention through email because there's no other way to get your attention. Uh, The one paragraph I really liked was, it says, My love for you is richer than any account you could land, and your need for me is greater than any entry on your to-do list. But I fear that outside of a direct miracle, there is no way I can get placed on your busy agenda. And that's true, but sad. There's a lot of people that so much in life has taken away their time for God. And he's just asking for a moment, a moment of your time.
1: The one you will never see God until you need him
0: yes very good I encourage y'all if you want to read that, that whole email there it's really good and then it says I therefore exhort you to devote yourself wholly to God in his word your children need to see that your faith is personal disciplined and exclusive relationship with a person Jesus Christ kind of talked about that already. You set the example. You set the example for prayer life. You set the example for faith. You, as mom and dad, set the example for your children and their walk with Christ. It's important. A lot of people take for granted the role and importance of a mom and dad. And then, like we said a minute ago, then it goes outside the house to the church, the importance of your, of your youth teachers and, and children's teachers at church. you put good in and good comes out if your kids get full full up of junk all day long and then we go to page 194 and this talks about how to establish quiet time do you have a place I wrote this outside it do you have a place a plan for God time yes we all do is that important There, there is a saying that warns, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And it says, personally, I even plan to exclude many things so that I can more f- fully focus on Christ. That's a good plan. I should plan more of that myself. Uh, I wrote out beside that, have you ever missed your normal time and tried to make it up later? Your normal prayer time. bob yeah yeah driving down the road trying to yep anybody else you have a set time that you usually spend with god in the mornings and something happens and you miss it and you try to make it up is it the same no no it's not the same yes yes pastor had did he shared that sunday right
1: Recently, you know, I've I've got my guys when we get ready to go to work. Every morning we have a little prayer session. And it's not big. I just ask them if there's anything they need to pray that they need prayer for or whatever if they're sick or their family or whatever, but this morning one of my guys came to me and he was probably, you know, the least one I would think. Anyway, he said, "Have we prayed yet?" And I said, "No, but we're going to." And I'd be doggone if we got off and they forgot to pray this morning. And since I started that, I've been reminded, you know, my guys will come up. Have we prayed yet? Are we going to pray? I said, yeah, let's pray. So we stop and pray and do our deal. But anyway, that's that's what happened to me this morning. And I was like, after the day had gotten about half over, I realized we didn't have a prayer that morning. And it just bothered me. And especially knowing that he came up and asked me, and I didn't pray with him, so now I got to send him an apology tonight and think of telling him I'm sorry that we didn't make our prayer. But anyway, it's just something when you. I think that if you have people work for you, or if you if you're with a group, even if you're working for somebody else, and you've got a group of people that would just want to sit down and have a moment of prayer, even if it's nothing but just have a good day, and you know. Anybody has some kind of need, you can always bring that up, too. But, you know, I found that going out on the streets, too, one of the things, you know, it's hard for people that have never done that to go out and talk to somebody. But when you go out on the street, if you'll say, is there anything we can pray with you about? All of a sudden, it opens up. And I guarantee you, you can pray with them about their kids or their drinking problem or whatever it is. And the next thing you know, when you get done praying, you say, well, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And just go right there. You don't even have to go into 100 different verses or nothing. And they all say yes or no. And if they say yes, that's great. And then you pray with them. But if they say no, then I ask them if they'd like to pray right then and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And that is the most fulfilling thing when you do that and just automatically you just go out to help them and pray for them. You're not there to get them saved but once you get them to open up for a prayer, then that just makes it flow so much easier. It really does. I mean, that's to me, that was—and I used to use a method they called evangelism explosion. Some of you guys, might, you might have heard of it. It was one of them, Dr. Kennedy, a Presbyterian preacher, come up with this. And it's partly Roman roads, but it's got a lot of other stuff in it, too. But anyway, I used to use this system. And half the time, I don't even go with any of that system. It's just whatever the Lord goes with, you know, at the moment. If it's something they need a prayer for, or they're having a hard time in life, or whatever. You know, if they're homeless, they're having a hard time in life. So it's always something there you can pray about. But anyway, I'll give it back to you. Always be humble. Amen.
0: Good points, Brother Bob, good points. And you're right. If you, you just get someone to let you pray for them, because sometimes they're even resistant to that sometimes they're even like a oh, pastor the last time he went out the well, last time I know of that he went out he tried two or three times that guy standing against the wall to just you know, talk to him and finally he's like you just need to get away from me so some people are you know, just completely unreceptive of it yep but like you said if you can get them to open up a prayer and you pray with them then that opens them up and then you can go right into do you know Jesus yep it's wonderful 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 stuff Um, so she says to develop a plan, um, for personal quiet time with Jesus. And one of those things she says is to keep all your devotional materials together in one place. Do any of us do that? Do we have like a binder or notebook and, uh, sitting with our Bible and a highlighter and a pen and, or a desk or. Amen, amen, yes, magazines, journals, yes, um, so that's a good thing that way you're organized, so whenever it's time for your your prayer time that everything's there, and you're ready to go, and then uh, she says to be flexible and creative um, and that might be okay for some, but we've kinda already been talking about a specific time, and when that specific time when you can't something interrupts that specific time how it kinda, the, the, your whole day doesn't flow quite right so i don't necessarily agree with the the creative and flexible part because i'm pretty stringent on when i wake up in the morning that's the first thing i want to do is get coffee and get to the word and that's just that's just the way it is that starts my day i'm very plan-oriented so if i don't plan i won't do it at all so. Complaining is good. It's just the... Yeah. Um, And step two is is memorizing God's word. This is very important. Every... uh, Well, it's my second time through, but every minister's training class that we have, pastor's always going over, memorize this verse. Memorize this verse. These verses in particular for whatever circumstance that you're talking about. Memorizing God's word is very important. That way, whenever you're questioned, or someone wants to get up in your face who's an atheist or something like that, you got the scripture to come back and say, yeah, but God's word says this, and God's word says that. Um, She lists some different things. I don't know what works. I think everybody has their own thing that works best for them, but uh, every day you say the verse so many times. I just just read the Bible and read it again. And if particular things get called out, because sometimes there's particular verses or sections of a chapter that get called out, and the Holy Spirit says, read it again. And you just read it again. And then you meditate them other people it might be like uh, memorizing like what you did in in school or in college everybody had their own system of of memorizing for test write write it write the verse really wow I haven't done that you too Angie yeah write it Words, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yep. Yeah. No, no, and there's a, there's a lot of people that have been doing it for a long time and still struggle with. You know, it's, it's, I know it's in Hebrews, but uh, I don't know if it's you know. But yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and thirdly it says pray from God's word pastor has a pamphlet that he gave out and when he was sick I guarantee you he was proclaiming God's word over and over and over pacing the floor that's why another reason it's important to know God's word I know Angie's done the same thing I've done the same thing when we're sick when we're faced with something you just start claiming God's word. Just start saying God's word back to Him, just over and over. So the la- the rest of this chapter is really, it's really more of uh, her personal qualms with the uh, the way that she does things and, and, and all these things that she talks about on the last couple of pages here we all have our own our own way of, of handling these things um, leading your children to walk hand in hand with God I know there's perfect examples of that here in this church Sheila uh, Jonathan and Lisa uh, many other parents here in this church who Bianca yes that they feed that word into their kids and their kids can recite that word Yes. Um, it's awesome. Bianca spends a lot of time with him. Sadie can, yes. she Yep. It's, a, it's awesome for the, to hear those kids recite scripture. Um, and then she talks about how to establish quiet times for children. And that really depends on you and your kid to help them find a quiet time. And it's good that when you're having your quiet time with Christ that they can have their quiet time too. Um, And so the rest of this is just kind of suggestions of how she does it. Uh, Quiet time for toddlers. Um, Quiet time uh, for struggling readers who have a hard time reading the Bible. Um, I was like that at first, but that was before I got filled with the Spirit. And when I got filled with the Spirit, it suddenly became quite easy. But before that, it was a struggle. Um, so I would have to uh, and that comes back to discipline you have to discipline yourself and and devote time you're going to set at at least 10 minutes you're going to read this whether you get through the whole chapter or not you're going to at least 10 minutes to start and then you just build up Um, but like I said other people are different Um, and then uh, quiet time for independent readers again it's just suggestions um, huh? uh, number five is on uh, page 196 the importance of teaching children God's word can never be overstated so the answer is teaching children God's word and then uh, build sweet memories of uh, their spiritual journey which this was new to me um, I know a lot of people like scrapbooking, um, but basically it's like building a scrapbook of of your child's growth in the Lord. Um, it's a pretty neat ideal. Some people might really like it. Uh, something for your kids to hold on to when they move out that they can look back on. And then uh, keeping your hand in God's everlasting hand. Um, and it goes through a lot of a lot of really good uh, things. Um, he is the hand that saves, Judges seven two. He is the hand that keeps promises, Genesis twenty four two. It's a really great read if, if you want to read it. It's, it's really it builds you up. It really does. Um, and then lastly, she says uh, she lists the name of some people: uh, Amy Carmichael, John Patton, Corey Tinboom, Elizabeth Elliot. It says, what do these dear saints all have in common? They all learn to trust and honor God with their whole life and at the knee of their mothers who ultimately place their hands in God's hands. And that's what the whole chapter really comes, comes back to, is leading your children to Christ. So, that'll finish up chapter 12. Everybody got the answers? and uh, anybody got any special prayer
1: Um, my two girls my oldest one's 40 now and my youngest one's 33 and uh, when they were little we were they you know uh, we went to church and we were regular and we were there all the time my oldest one's seven years older than the youngest one so When my little one, my youngest one come along, for some reason we fell out of church and we weren't going to church like we had been going before. And all the cares of this life kind of took us away from church for a while. Well, during that time, my youngest one grew up, you know, but she never really got to learn the good foundation in church like my older one And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed about this because it really bothered me. I thought, man, I messed up. I messed up. You know, I missed an opportunity. My youngest one one day, you know, I I always send them a text, try to send them a text every day, and I usually tell them, I said, I love you more today than I did yesterday. Anyway, it's just a thing I do. And uh, my youngest one, I was talking to her one day, and she got this job, and she was selling... um, advertising for a little newspaper local newspaper and she was going to business owners in different cities and um, calling on those and trying to sell advertising and i've been praying and i've been praying hard about you know that god sends somebody because they won't listen to you a lot of times they won't listen to the parents when they get older and especially if they weren't in the church when you were younger anyway so I just prayed, Lord, just send somebody. Just send somebody that will touch her and reach her that I can't do. I said, D-. And I always prayed God put his angels around about my girls, you know, because when they get old enough, you can't be with them 24-7 like a dad wants to be. But you know God's angel will be there. Anyway, needless to say, she went to this little town and she went and walked in this business and she seen all these signs about God and this and that and she was looking around in there and she was waiting for the talk to this lady and the lady came over and started talking to her and she said oh I just love this and this and this and the lady says well do you know Jesus and the next thing you know she got saved right there in that store and she called me up she called me up that night and told me what happened (laughs) I just got so emotional I couldn't hardly even and I just started thanking God and just thanking the Lord she's still not doing like she needs to be doing so keep praying for her but God's angels are around her and God's angels are around my other one and I just know that there's a time on our kids, and I don't care when they get old, you know, even when they're 30, 40 years old. You've got to pray that God keeps an angels around them because and that same daughter has totaled three cars in the last 18 months. And two of them was rear-end collisions, and she had just dropped the kids off. So thank goodness there wasn't nobody in it but herself. But, I mean, you know, she tells me, she called me, Oh, Dad, I wrecked the car, blah, blah. And I'm like, Well, you're all right, right? Yeah, I just got a few bruises. Well, as long as you're okay, that car can be replaced. But (laughs) she's freaking out. The insurance has cost me a fortune. I said, Well, you need to slow down and pay attention. Anyway, praise God. But we just got to turn it over to God because I think, I really do believe that the angels was what kept her from getting hurt. And all three of those accidents. And kept my grandbabies out there. And I prayed the same thing about my grandbabies. I pray that angels be around them all, all the time when they're at school, wherever they go. That God's angels watch over them. Because you can't be there. Ain't that right? We can't be there with
0: them. Anyway. Amen. Amen. Good stuff, Brother Bob. I know it's one of the sweetest things you can ever hear come out of your child's mouth is when they confess Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Uh, but even then it doesn't stop you from praying and pleading the blood of Jesus over every morning like pastor said and camping the angels around him, Bob yeah, the that, that prayer of a parent is a very important, powerful thing uh, so anybody else? alright, Father we thank you so much for this time to to just learn and study more, Father to learn more about your word Father to learn more about being godly, Father, The the examples of a godly home. Father, a word-filled marriage, a word-filled mom, dad, father, just